Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, depending on where you are in this glorious world. I'm Rob Starr, along with what I would consider one of the most distinguished irrigation hydrologists in our industry, and he is also the illustrious co-host of The Water Zone as well. Mr. Chris Davey, how are you, sir? All right. I appreciate that. That's very nice. I'm trying to I'm trying to make a three-letter acronym out of that, so I can <laughs> put that on my card. Yeah, I'll get, I, 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 maybe you can go to five letters. Yes, yeah, an, <laughs> an FLA, as they call it. Yes. So how are you? How are you doing today? How was the week? It was uh, you know, It was good. It was short because, of course, Monday was a holiday where, uh, uh, for everybody. But, hey, we're off to a good year in, in 2024. Looking forward to uh, a great schedule of shows, Rob, and you and I know what's uh, coming up soon. So our listeners, uh, our listeners will be pleased. Uh, buy it as well. Absolutely. And speaking of wonderful guests, we have the illustrious Miss Chris Austin, who is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook. Chris, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Hi. We all How's the yeah. weather up in uh, your part of California? Oh, it's it's nice. We had some rain kind of pull through um, a few days ago, but today's been blue skies and crisp. Uh, 56 degrees here, but, uh, you know, uh, very nice sunshine, a little bit of clouds in the sky. Uh, another storm headed up this weekend, uh, and that one should have a little more snow than uh, perhaps the last one. But the story of the storms, and it's not really a surprise, is that uh, the snow line is pretty high up. And uh, we're getting a lot more rain rather than snow. Uh, so we're we're crossing our fingers. Uh, we had a snow survey back on Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, the the media show for the snow survey. And uh, it, it showed a very low snowpack, the lowest yeah. at this time in the season from 10 years or something along those lines. But a yeah. no snow survey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's still early in the season, and it's not about what's on the ground now. It's really more about what's on the ground in March or April. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how the season goes. But uh, so far, uh, we're not seeing those big atmospheric river storms headed our way, at least not quite yet. Um, but we're always hopeful. Always hopeful. So what's what's big this week in, in California with water? Well, we're all kind of getting back to work here, <laughs> along okay. the you know back back to work and back after the first of the year. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the things that happened over the holidays while the show was on the holiday break is that the Department of Water Resources. Uh, certified the final EIR for the Delta Conveyance Project, which is, like, not a surprise. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and they didn't really allow a final comment period. That's something that's a discretionary thing anyway. It's not required. And I think at this point, um, it's like it, a final comment period is not going to change anything, I think, is the way they felt. So I think they just went ahead and said, well, we're going we're gonna to certify the CIR and finalize it you know, and let the lawsuits begin. And by 5 o'clock <laughs> that afternoon, uh, uh, Contra Costa County had filed a lawsuit challenging the EIR. Um, uh, so, which is actually, you know, really interesting that out of all of the Delta counties, Contra Costa was the one because they're kind of like, the least impacted by the Delta Conveyance Project. It's, uh, you know, they're on the other end of the of the Delta, they're, so it's not even in the vicinity. And they don't, they would not get water from the Delta Conveyance Project, but their main concern, or the Contra Costa Water District's main concern, was that they have intakes in the Delta, and they wanted assurances that, they weren't going to get uh, poor water quality at those intakes as a result of the Delta conveyance project being built. So the state entered into a contract with them, uh, I don't know, I think about a year ago, that sort of said, okay, we agree, we're not going to mess up your water quality. Um, and so, so then Contra Costa Water District said, well, there's our concern, so we're, we're fine. They dropped their objection to the tunnel. Not They didn't support, but they're not going to object because they got that result. So, you know, it was interesting that uh, that they were the, that was the county that was the first to sue. Uh, but, you know, they will be joined shortly. I'm surprised that I haven't uh, heard about more, but it's, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. this, this project is not going to get fast-tracked, and uh, it's not going, it's you know, there will be lawsuits. There will be many, many of them. So, well, I think in the last fifteen, I think in the last fifteen twenty years, the legal uh, industry has widened into being experts now in water. I mean, that's those have been so many more challenges in the last ten fifteen years than I've ever seen. I mean, everything that anybody does, there's always somebody going to object to it. And uh, it just keeps going and going and going. But that field has opened up a lot. I mean, there's much more attorneys that I've run across in the country that are now dealing with uh, environmental and water issues. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're kind of looking at kind of having to grapple with some pretty serious issues here, um, mainly, you know, in terms of these, of these water rights, uh, you know, because we have senior water right holders and, you know, that by the terms of their water right, they get they get uh, all their water before anyone's junior right to their senior right. And, and that really um, kind of can result in some, some consequences, you know, because sometimes those are like junior those junior users are cities and municipalities and, uh, you know, other things that, you know, we care about. Um, and it can be during drought, it, you know, it, it's hugely impactful on the environment. 
So, you know, kind of figuring out what to do about this water uh, problem that we have. And, and there are a lot of calls for changes in, in water rights. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was what was at the head of today's uh, Daily Digest, um, a Stanford economist. You know, I, I, I just, e- economists, I don't know, some, sometimes they just puzzle me as, as much as they entertain me. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but are they like are they like the weather people? Oh, oh no, they're sort of like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know there are some some economists like Ellen Hannock with the PPIC. Uh, she does things, you know, she does ec- things with uh, in economics related, like the the way she totals the things, the way she looks at things. I can understand, but then there's you know these other this other branch of economics where they start like attaching prices to things that don't have markets, you know, <laughs> in which case it can be whatever you want it to be, you know, like and sometimes in these water uh, planning, these economic analysis, they, they all say something like, you know, what people will pay to have reliable water. Well, you know, how do you put a price on that? Well, we ask people. Well, how would you answer that question? You know, how much and, 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 extra and, and, would you be willing to pay so that your water was never shut off? I, I, I don't know. You know, well, it's, it's, it's like I get I get calls. I don't know where they get my numbers from, uh, but they call and say, "Hey, are you interested in selling your house?" And I say, <laughs> "Sure." And he says, oh, okay, how much you want for it? I say, $3 million. Oh, it's not worth $3 million. I said, well, you asked me how much I want. That's what I want. If you're not yeah. interested, don't do that. I mean, but, but that's the point. I don't know if people really give truthful answers on those kind of interviews or, or surveys. I really don't. Well, and, and, you know, when you're talking about things that don't have a, a market, you know, how do you put a price on that? You know, right. I, I, you know so anyways. So here is this economist uh, from Stanford, and his idea is that he thinks that we should have, we should adjust the water rights, and we should model it after um, something that happened with radio frequencies back. I think it was in like the 1990s, the late 1990s, where uh-huh. they needed to open up frequencies on the spectrum for radio stations for all this wireless wireless stuff that was coming online. So all the stations that had <clears throat> bandwidth or whatever went and they looked at how much they were using. If they weren't using all that they had been allocated, then, then they sold them off. They sold off all these excess unused frequencies. Um, at least that's my understanding of you know, the article as I read it. And so his idea is that, you know, all the senior right water, all the senior right water water right holders could do the same thing and then, you know, sell off what they're not using. Uh, The problem is that that I see with that is that I think that they're all using it. (laughs) And, And if you were... If you're willing to sell it off, then you could just you, you could just sell it. I mean, I think you can transfer senior water rights. I think you know. Well, I guess it depends on 
what kind. If you have appropriative rights, I believe you could sell that right. If you have a riparian right, which means it's tied to the land ownership, it's not, you can't really, uh, you can't really sell that. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought. We have all sorts of different plans for, you know, fixing things in California water. Um, You know, what to do about the water rights is going to be something that we're going to be grappling with in the upcoming years, I think. Do you think you think the government is going to get involved with imminent domain on water rights? I have no idea. <clears throat> um, I mean, this is really this is really dicey and it's really hard. I mean, you, you know, because there's the issue of government takings, but I mean, the easiest the easiest way to the dilemma is, is going back to the Colorado River. You know, one-fifth of the flow of the Colorado River senior rights go right into the Imperial Valley. That's more than any state or, the, or, or any other entity at all on the Colorado River. And as that river dwindles, Theoretically, you know, if, if the theoretically if the Colorado were to dwindle down to one fifth, then seven states would have to just let that water pass down and go into the Imperial Valley. And I think, you know, I I think that's a problem. Now I don't know. <clears throat> I I totally understand people have water rights and they built infrastructure and they've made plans for the water that they have. And and so I, I understand it's a huge issue, and I don't know how to solve it. I'll tell you that. I, I don't have any ideas. But as the Colorado River dwindles, are we really going to say, okay, you know, is Arizona going to pass up all the water? Is, you know, so and, and that's actually what they're hammering out in these Colorado River negotiations. But um, uh, so they don't have to sort of push that water rights issue. But, I mean, at some point, we have uh, constructs from uh, the way things were at the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it just doesn't jive with the conditions and the way things are today. And mm-hmm. somehow we're going to have to make some adjustments. I don't know how, and I... I understand it's difficult, but I don't see how we're going to be able to avoid that. No, I agree. Mr. Davey, your thoughts and comments? I've got, I've got a couple of them. So, so I'm, you know, I'm still grappling with the juxtaposition of how, of how uh, all, all of the, um, all of the environmental jobs, lawyers and scientists and everything are, are all coming together in this industry. And there's a lot of opportunity. That's enough fodder right there for a show all by itself, Robin, Chris. And, yeah. and uh, maybe that's some, something for us to look at. But, you know, just in um, just in uh, just for this issue that would that you guys have just been discussing. I mean, in California, we've talked the last few years about how how uh, the drought has been impacted by the last couple of years of rain, especially last year, filled all the reservoirs. But, geez. You've still got like Lake Mead and Lake Powell at at super low levels on the Colorado River, Chris. Um, and you know those those impoundments um, uh, alone, uh, just you just listen to a weather reporter tap anywhere on the screen for Maven's notebook, and you can come up with a 
um, with an article about called the Colorado River. So that's not going to go away anytime soon. No, no. Um, and the Colorado River, the drought there, they say, you know, it's been going on for 20 years. Um, you know, it's been it's been a, we're moving to a drier climate, especially in the, the southwest. Um, and so we'll have to see, you know, the ramifications that that has. And that's what they're working on, uh, you know, right now for, on the Colorado River is what to do with next. But it's, they're, they still ha- are going to have to make cuts, more cuts than what they've agreed to do. And we're not going to be able to continue to finance buying uh, farmers' water rights uh, forever. <laughs> you know. Cross, crossing the uh, the highway uh, by the Colorado River between California and Arizona, I can tell you, you can see mud from the bottom of the, the river. There's no water in spots. I mean, you can't watch a boat. Even you couldn't even put a Chris Chris couldn't even put a kayak in there. <laughs> it, 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 you just see nothing but mud, and I mean, very yeah. little water. So. Uh, and that's pretty serious. I mean, I haven't seen anybody launch anything for months there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a tough time there on the Colorado River. We had a great reprieve last year, and things kind of got a little bit better, but we're looking again at another dry year, a snow drought, as they say, um, not only in California, but really across the West. Yep. Yep, all all those things affecting it climate change and yeah climate change and all the other stuff that that, uh, that goes into the equation you know the that tunnel solution which is I don't know it's still locked up after years and years and probably probably still will be <laughs> yeah I, I don't know well well I don't know this is really gonna be do or die for this tunnel project um, <clears throat> if if something happens and they and they decide not to build it or this i i don't know what else could happen to this project it's been reformulated so many times um i don't know we'll have to see i have no idea what's going to happen from here (laughs) that's a never-ending story keep my website going yeah Yeah. never a dull day well, one of the things, I, I, not for today's thing, but I just want to mention, I don't know if anybody has seen the article about uh, a water district back east that got hacked. Oh, yes, far. yes. And, and, and I, want to, I, want to bring, I want to try to get a hold of the uh, gentleman from the, the spokesperson for that water district to come on. And I think that for all of us together to have an entire show based upon what could happen if they dangerously change the uh, the operations of that uh, water district meaning controlling the cleaning of the water and purifying and all that can go out of whack and you know a lot of people could die from that it's just like they say they're gonna you know uh, terrorists say they're gonna come and do something with the uh, our, our electrical grid well the water grid is just just as bad and so there's gonna be a lot of new things that are coming into that so anyway we'll save that for another day uh, Chris thank you I'm glad I hope you you and your family had a great holiday uh, uh, time, both in Christmas and New Year's, and anything else that you may celebrate. And uh, we'll be back, uh, uh, you know, with you next week. But for our listeners, please go to mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber. It's a great place to get your uh, water news every single day. And also, you can become a 
uh, sponsor of that, and uh, as we are, and uh, it's really a good good opportunity to get be the first ones in on all the news, and we appreciate having the the most knowledgeable person in the water industry who gives us our news every week. So thank you, Chris. We do appreciate that. All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week, Chris. All right, we'll be back in just a few moments. We're going to take a little break, and uh, so stick around. It's going to be an interesting conversation with our featured guest, and uh, she is Natasha Rankin, the uh, CEO of the, of the uh, irrigation industry, and she has some good insights and inf- information to talk about. So we'll be right back. Stick around. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete streamlined system to meet any requirements or regulations. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. K-C-A-A. Well, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Show. I'm Rob Stark, along with Mr. Chris Davey, and we're very happy to uh, be part of your day. And uh, we have a great interview that we did with uh, Ms. Natasha Rankin. And as I said, she is the CEO of the irrigation industry and uh, gets some good insights. She's a wonderful lady. So uh, let's listen in. Position in uh, wonderful downtown San Antonio, Texas, and we're here with a special person who is the biggie of the show. I'll call you that. <laughs> uh, her name is wonderful name, and it's Natasha Rankin, and she is the chief executive officer of the Irrigation Association. And uh, we, we met her in 2021, and uh, when she was just accepted the job, and, and uh, we're very happy about it. And she's done wonders for the, for the association, but. Since then, we want to catch up and say, what new operational changes have you implemented within the IA? Because I know you have your own perspective. You have to learn everything about what was going on and, and see if we need changes to move forward. Well, I'd say howdy. howdy. First, howdy. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> Actually, it is fabulous to be here. And it is it is my third irrigation show. I've had an opportunity, as you mentioned, to join in 2021. And since then, you know, the I have been and still consider myself to be the most lucky person in the world to be the CEO of the Irrigation Association and to work with amazing people in this industry. I saw that then. I see it every day. I've seen it every every day since I arrived, and I see it on the show floor while we're here. 
uh, when I first started, I thought it was, especially because I didn't come from the industry, I saw it as incredibly important to listen. That what I needed to do was to better understand the members, the industry, where the pain points were in their businesses, what their growth desires were, and then to identify, okay, if this is where the industry is going, if this is where our members' markets are going, what is it that we need to do better? It's always a different perspective, from, not from the industry that you're doing, and I think that's good because you find out more of the truth about what's happening, not that we have anything bad, but but, but you find out what's, where's, What's lacking in something? Where do we need to go? I think I think what we, what I really saw is what is it that we need to build on? And and to your point of you know seeing something new is how frequently does it happen where somebody says, well that idea we tried that ten years ago, right? And so it doesn't get brought up again. Sometimes that new perspective is you know what you're right it probably wouldn't work five years ago or ten years ago, but what if we were to consider it now? The environment has changed, maybe needs have changed, is it possible now? And I think that's the biggest for biggest change for the irrigation association. You make people think more, think out of the box. Well, I think we, we become so focused on um, a specific, a, a, something that we do specifically. You know, it's kind of like I always go to the irrigation show and education week and I always see these people and I always do this. And Part of what we'd like to be able to do with this show, in speaking specifically, is to say, okay, we continue to have you come back, Rob. That's awesome. What I want to ask is, Rob, how do we get you to talk about this? We know you do in a different way with other people. To bring them in, what are some of the things that we might be able to offer in addition to or differently to continue to attract the next generation, the rising stars that we know are out there? Because that... Speaking to some of the operational or the, some of the changes for us, what we're really focused on is what's going to move the needle for the industry. And when you think about really any business, but specifically with irrigation, and you think about the, the companies in the green industry, is they are facing some incredible pressures when it comes to when it comes to attracting and retaining a workforce, people who are willing. And understand and want to uh, enter into an industry that frequently is out in the field. Uh, we are focused on ensuring that decision makers, whether they are on Capitol Hill, whether they are in state houses, whether they are municipal a, a water board, that they understand that our irrigation professionals and our companies need to be at the table to share the impact of their business and their practices on the wisest use of water. And ultimately, I think the biggest, I hope, what our members experience as the biggest change is having the IA act as really a facilitator and a uniter of a lot of different businesses. You know, we work, we we talk about, you know, well, we have, we have manufacturers, and we have dealers, and we have distributors, and we have contractors, and we do, and we have consultants, consultants and we have, and we have, we have landscape, we have golf, we have turf, we have ag, all of these educators. educators. But the reality is, is we may never all agree on everything, but what we can do is unite. What we can do is unite around the absolute need for the wisest use of every drop of water. We might have different ways of doing it. We might have different roles in doing that. But I think we can all agree that we have a role in that, even if it's different. And I think that's 
if, I don't want to say so much a change, but I certainly think it's the biggest call that we have right. for for the IA. Well, the industry, this has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going through what, what I call a gray wave. Mm, interesting, there, there yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people around, myself included, I think mm-hmm. even down the road, I'm not going to do this forever. There's a lot of people over here that are mm-hmm. moving on to different things. And trying to, trying to attract new people into getting into the water industry. I mean, there's so many good paying jobs at, at, at water districts and things like that. Uh, the education that you bring is, is just super to people who come. I, I did a project years ago, and this is interview isn't about me, but, <laughs> but, but it was for a Bureau of Indian Affairs school mm-hmm. in Riverside where I bought material from the IA mm-hmm. and gave it to Cal Baptist University professors. They taught kids at, at this high school for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and then when they graduated, they were certified by the by you guys. Yeah. And, and, and they could walk into a job for forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to start. That was incredible. Yeah. So but it still is. And and, and it's I, I would say it's even more incredible today. And and I one of the things that, that I heard and saw and has been shared with me is that the, the the type of changing of hearts and minds that we need to focus on is it starts before somebody even starts thinking about, I'm going to have a career, or I'm going to have a profession. You know, you think about kids who are growing up and they say to um, their parents, I, I'm going to be a doctor, right? And what's, what, what's the parent's response? That's great, you need to study hard, you know, you need to get into a good school, you need to do, this is your career pathway. And you think about some of the careers that, that are within the irrigation profession. They are across the board. You're interested in engineering, fabulous. You love math, great. You love to work with your hands, fabulous. You're committed to the environment and, 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 and sustainability. Come on in. We have all of these different topics and pathways for for professional uh, being able to use your brain and your hands that don't always exist. And I in, in other professions, and maybe don't get the attention and the credit that is is due to them. And my ultimate goal is for any child out there who's saying, Dad, I want to, and they say, Dad, I want to I want to be an irrigation professional, or Dad, I want to, I want to design, you know, I want to build or design and build irrigation systems, and I want the response to be absolutely fabulous. Here's how you can do that. These are the things that you can get involved in, and these are the ways that you have things to study, and the career pathways, and hey, connect up, and I want there to be that same amount of excitement because, to your point of a, call it a brain industry, I think companies always are going to want to have the best people Absolutely. as part of their teams. Absolutely. So that is a major area for, for the IA to focus on. So what do you see as the top three activities of the irrigation industry in this address? Is it legislative, advocacy, expansion of education, training, or membership, or all of those? Or? I think the, the, the biggest... The, the biggest goal, if you want to say objective, whatever word you want to put out there, is getting better at creating champions within the industry to speak outside of the industry. Something that I've noticed from the very beginning is that we are absolutely fabulous at sharing the story internally. We all know the benefit of our professionals. We all know the benefit of our we all know the contributions that we make. We're celebrating them here at the irrigation show, whether you're an educator, whether you're developing new products or launching new companies. But 
that is a story that is not being shared externally in a way that helps ultimately have a better understanding and appreciation for the green industry, for irrigation, and for water use. So what are the great opportunities that I does is have uh, what I call a pitch session for new, mm -hmm. new I love the pitch session. I, I, I love the pitch conversation. I do that too. And um, I have an audience that pitch their technologies and services prospective business partners. Have you received any feedback about the success and or any success stories? Has that panned out for any of you? So what one of the things that you know with the with the pitch competition, I, I happen to know that our show is actually attracting private equity groups and VC. I get I get calls at least weekly from uh, your your PE groups that are looking for information on the marketplace, on on the industry, and I know they're here, and I know that they're paying attention, and I think it's a really important um, recognition in a way of the uh, value and of the scalability and of the growth potential with the industry that you there I think there are companies out there that are recognizing that irrigation and water use and management is part of what's next and so they're looking for companies and they're looking for products to to invest in I mean, all companies want to design their own product 100%. I mean but every one of the companies that are here also go buy other companies who are just a joint venture with somebody or buy some technology. But that's but that's business. I mean, the right. the idea behind it is is we, you know. No, you, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're if you are you know if you're an entrepreneur and you're a an innovator and an inventor, at the end of the day, you probably want to get your product into the hands of the most people as most people as possible. In an ideal world, would you be able to do that and scale that on your on your own? That'd be fabulous. Sometimes you need those partners. To your point, sometimes you need those joint ventures, and you, or the the buyout, which allows it frees you up to go and find your next yeah, your I mean, next you, product. You can get to market a whole lot better. Hey, this little company designed this thing. That's a good thing. It'll take us any company. Hey, oh, take us a year to develop that. We got it right now. You want it? Make a sale. There you and, go. And, and, and it's it's a good good partnership for people to do that. I think that's really, if I had to say that, that's the feedback is the exposure that you get. And we we really want to highlight those those new product winners because they've they've made the investment. They they have the belief. They are here. They are literally on the floor, sharing, answering questions, trying to help others understand what is this what is this product going to do differently? How is it going to solve? You know, what what problem is it going to solve? Or what solution is it going to offer? And they're they're passionate. I've, I've seen people shaking. I had one. <laughs> but it's fabulous to see the excitement and, and to have the judges listening and asking the questions that they are. And I am looking forward to tomorrow's announcement. I'm sure there'll be some shaking in the seats, waiting for those announcements. Well, the fire in the belly is important. I mean, if, I you, do, if you believe in it, you go forward and you make it happen. I, I think it's a good thing. Do you, going back a little bit mm -hmm. on, on the education portion, did you ever consider expanding information to the high schools, for example? Because you know, long, I should say a long time ago, but a lot of schools cut back on trade stuff. They did. And stopped on 
uh, auto mechanic stuff or, or shop or electrical stuff. I was fortunate I went to a boarding private school. Okay. So when our brakes on the car didn't go good, my wife says, you're the only man in America that can't change the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll teach that at the school I went to. I'm sorry, I had to wear a high jacket every day to the boarding school I went to. But, but would I like to know how to do it? Now, no, I don't like getting greasy in there. For me, I wouldn't have done it. But there's lots of kids who are not college-bound. For, for many reasons. One, maybe they can't afford it to, they really don't want to be on that level, they're, they're not, they just can't do it. But learning a trade is a good way. They, like a plumber. You can make $100,000 a year being yeah. a plumber. You don't have to college, you don't need a college degree. I think it goes back to, to me, it's the, it's the, it's recognizing that people learn differently and want to do different things to, to express People that. like to be they like to be, and, 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 you know, even you, we talk about irrigation, but you know, you think about what's the level of technological savvy and understanding does somebody need to have to be a professional in this industry? Does it necessarily need to come from a four or even a two-year college? No, it doesn't. But that is, I think, what you're seeing. I would say societally, you are seeing a greater recognition that the pathways to learning don't always lead through college. And in fact, probably shouldn't. And to have any sort of assumption that everybody learns in the same way or wants to have the same type of job, is it's a fallacy. And I think for, for where what the Irrigation Association is, wants to be involved in is ensuring that whether it's a high school student or a counselor in a, in a high school, or if you're getting into more of the elementary school level, is showing, demonstrating that there are ways to take your interest in gardening and turn that into a job and turn that into a profession and turn that into a passion and that it may not be through, through a college or a university. The things that the, that the IA is focused on, in fact, we are working from a, um, from both a, a federal and a state level at a couple of things to uh, a couple of coalitions and other initiatives to number one free up money for so um, a number of the education funds that parents uh, like the Rock that um, uh, where uh, money can be put aside for right now relatively restrictive uh, use of for education funds for for um, so they, for a child as they grow up. We are advocating for this legislation to free up that money, those funds, to be used for other ways of continuous learning or continuous or education. Certification programs for the uh, journeymen or for apprenticeship programs, which we know are great pathways to gaining on-the-job experience a salary or in, in compensation and benefits and a career path, mentorship and all of that. And that's a great example of saying, you know, the world has changed. And so that is just one area that, that we are focused on for taking that idea of, well, how do we, how do we actually make it possible for, uh, for people who want to, they, 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 they want a job, they want a profession, they want to learn, they want to make a difference. And how do we make sure that they have access to and are able to use those, those funds for those my, programs. My, my oldest son went into plumbing. 
when he worked for a small company, they weren't doing very great work. You can see a change from dancer. He said, you know what, girl? I drove him around the street. I said, look at these buildings. They all have a backflow valve. They all need to be serviced and certified. Yes. I said, you know how much? I said, there's thousands just here. Just imagine if you started, you got certified, you did this. You could make over $100,000 a year just going around and doing it. And it would be a good job better than what you're doing now. You didn't want to do that, but unfortunately. But, uh, well, I met, I met this morning, I met um, a, a woman at our Women in Irrigation Breakfast. Her name is Sarah, and she works. Uh, she and she is here taking education classes so that she can take her CIT. She basically took over an entire grounds management is uh, in, in Utah. Um, she's here. She is learning. She is a leader. And she is probably 21 <laughs> years old, you know, and I'm looking. And, and she has a sense of self. She knows who she is. That's she great. is owning it. She was. She is here to learn. She's here to make a difference. And I'm... I'm like, I, I'm glad you sat down at this table. I'm the lucky one here. So that's who we have. We want to find even more people like that and bring them in and, and set them up to be leaders. I coined the word 12 years ago. I call people, and you're one of them, a wow woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, there, there, was, there was a lady from, from Texas. She worked for Sandy and Tender Water. Oh, okay. Anyway, so I called her a wow. I said, you're a wow. And she says, what did you say? It's like I was doing something sexual. I go, no. Wow to me is woman of water. Woman oh, of water. I like that. <laughs> I thought that was, and she thought that was pretty cute after I said it. Okay. You know, Rob, I'm like making a note here. I'm like, well, I might, don't be surprised no, if you no see problem. this. You don't so have to pay me I, any money. So. <laughs> no, but we would give recognition and attribution, I, I you know. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I thought that would be a good thing to do. I told my wife about that. She thought it was... It was pretty nice to do that. And I, I said, I remember, so many in the water districts, so many of them are being more and more women who get into this, and it's really interesting. You know, I think you bring up a good point, though, about the water districts, because I've gone to, um, had an opportunity to go to Water Smart Innovations in, this, uh, in, in, in the fall, and, you know, you meet these, generally we were, we were there, and we were meeting all these young people. They were all working um, in, candidly, ra rather, understaffed and underfunded, yes. you know, municipal, local government, and they are bright, engaged, absolutely committed to to water use and management, the green industry, yep. they're innovators, they're excited, and all I kept thinking to myself is, as they grow, I'd love to be able to, I'm selfish, I'm like, okay, you're, you're, you're with a water district, hey, have you ever thought of moving into the irrigation industry? If you're ever interested, you let me know, because their knowledge and their passion and their desire for continuous improvement of themselves as well as the systems that they work on and, and, and the people and their understanding. I was like, can I just, can I like pick you up and bring you with me over they here? Are so they are amazing. They are on, amazing. We had a lady on, uh, she was the water conservation person from Plano. She won an award at the EPA event. So, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And so she did parties. She took records, or records, music, the bands, and took the voice off. We did a little machine to take the vocals off. And she did a parody on, on wipes for the toilets, and what you do, <laughs> on, on sprinkler stuff. And we played it on our show. We played them on it. We had her on our show and played that. In fact, a lot of, a lot of the women who won awards at the EPA thing, we put up, they come on our show. That's and uh, gave them 30 minutes to do things. And she was, she was so appreciative that we played it on, on NBC. 
thing that her, her parody was doing. She was singing on it and everything else. She was so innovative. But that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the fire in the belly, the passion to do that. And, and like you said, people, people, one of my other sons likes to work outside. He's, he's working, he has an inside job. He, he would like to work doing the outside thing. And I said, Casey, here's, here's the book for the IA study to do this thing. And he has he picked up, there's a lot of math in it. Yeah, Casey, I know it's like, you know. Growing, That's why we have the math review over the show. Bring them, bring them over, bring them grow, over. Growing up, <laughs> my wife ran a successful advertising PR business, and I went to college, I had my degrees. And because, I, years ago, when you went to work, you wore a tie and jacket. Yeah, that's and, true. And my kids would go, I'm not going to grow up and be like you. I'm not going to wear it. You know, I mean, and now you don't. You come in business casual. But they don't understand this is the pathway to go that you're going to be successful in life. You can pick what you want. Yes, there's going to be obstacles. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, you're going to have obstacles even in general life. You've got, you got to go past these things. So do what you got to do to make it. But I think women are going to take over the water industry more seriously. Well, I, what Which I is okay with me. <laughs> You know what I think is, is fabulous is, and you see it at, at, at this show, and in, in really when I've met, and in, in really when I've met and had the opportunity to visit with quite a number of industry companies, is the, the diversity. And, and is it growing? Is it, is it where it would, we want it to be? Maybe not yet, but what I can tell you is there is a deep recognition that talent is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And putting up barriers to, to it, whether it is, it is women, people of color, you know, uh, any sort of gender expression, anything along those lines. The reality is, is if you've got good people and they are passionate and they're knowledgeable and they help you and your business solve problems and bring in customers and and develop innovations, I don't know. I kind of want them as team members. I, I just no, kind just of a, say, I, I just I, I I love that and I and I think that the there is a recognition and a desire and a commitment to to really recognize that talent is everywhere. And it doesn't matter what position you have, everyone is important to the, to the overall leaders, success. Leaders are everywhere in an organization. They aren't just at the top. And in fact, I'll be honest and say, if you only have leaders at the top, you probably have other issues. And I, I think that what I've seen here, though, is a commitment to developing leaders internally. Yeah. Meaning at every level, just absolute recognition that that's how you grow. That you, you've got to be developing people from within. Yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of maybe what I enjoy the most is there's you don't right. again you don't always find that in companies you don't always find that in industry and I, I love that. Well, I'm not in sales, but I believe that everybody in the company is a salesperson. Right? They're a representative of the company. They're a brand representative, 100. percent That's right. That's, Absolutely. That's the way it should be. So anyway, good thought. Yeah. So one crazy question I have. Of I course, crazy question. Throw it at me. Uh, where do you see the future of water? Ooh, the future of water. I think the future of water will involve there being a richer and deeper appreciation and understanding of its value. It's amazing to me that something that is so absolutely vital to life, to literally our bodies, our life, our communities, our green spaces, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, um, the environment that we're in, that because it is so omnipresent and, and, and it's simply an accepted fact that it gets taken for granted and then taken for taken advantage of. And I think that that, if I had to say, what's the future of water, 
is I think we're going to be, whether forced to or we finally recognize that water has value. And we take it for granted. We've taken it for granted. And, and we've taken advantage of it. And what I have seen is the people in the irrigation industry, as well as the growers and the farmers and the producers and, and the professionals within the green industry, they already know it. They, 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 they know that. That's what they live with every day. And it's actually the people that, in a way, don't work with water that are the ones who, that's to me the opportunity, is to have them have as much awareness and appreciation of the, the need to, to treasure water and to understand um, that they have that their behavior and what they do and the decisions that they make and the products they buy and the services and the people that they come to, to you know, whether it's to, you know, to install or to maintain a system, whatever it might be, that those decisions matter. And they're part, they can be part of the solution or they can be part of the problem. And we would really like to set them up to be part of the solution. Yeah, it's, it's amazing people do, you know, you turn your faucet on people. You know, people don't recognize this. Like, they, you know, they, plus they don't know how much water they use all, all, all the time. Mm -hmm. Where I find the age group that picks up well is from first graders to eighth graders. Behavioral. And we go and we, we, we donate a garden to them, a project. Mm -hmm. So we'll give them all the irrigation stuff, we teach them how to, and we teach them, we give them all the education stuff. Stuff from, you can buy from the IA too, but yeah. hand out. And it shows them what it does and how it works. And, and then you find they go home and, 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 and tell their parents about it. We also started another thing which I thought was kind of cute. It was called Blow the Whistle on Wasted Water. Ooh, interesting. So what we started out, I started out with, it's not about me, but but we started with the schools in Riverside, California, and I went. To, I had a summer camp there, and we went and said, "Look, you see people. You know about water. And they're they're out there. Yes, you turn the water off when you brush your teeth. You take a quick shower. Yeah, they, they knew a lot of that stuff." And I said, "So here's. I passed out real whistles to everybody. Mm -hmm. and we did it. The mall. I went to the Mall of America in Minnesota. They had 650 kids, and we all gave them whistles. And they had the Congress people, the Senate people from there. I said, "Kids." Your job now is to blow the whistle on wasted water, and I want you to blow the whistle. Oh, man, you gave them tools to, like, blow whistles? That then, is just and like... Then, and then in San Diego, there wasn't kids at this event with the Wyland Foundation, uh -huh. and we had all the city council, the mayor, the state center and stuff. I passed it out to them. I made them blow the whistle. <laughs> that is as dangerous as giving somebody a kazoo. I just want to let yes, you know. I that know, is I just going to be... <laughs> but, 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 but getting the attention of the kids... And teaching them this is this is how you make a garden so you can grow vegetables or mm -hmm. you can plant flowers and trucks and show them what drip irrigation does and how everything connects. This is what's called an emitter and this is what's yeah. but they picked up on that unbelievable. Kids we pick up what we know. We pick yeah. up what we see. I mean and that's that is human behavior. And when you're for me when you when we talk about, you know, water and water use and teaching kids is I think about the fact that I don't want us to be in a situation where we are, we are only valuing and appreciating water when it becomes so scarce that we have to. And that is, you know, I'm reminded of a, a, a story of a friend of mine who served um, a, a kind of a, in a development organization and she lived in Africa for uh, about a year. And she came back and we'd gone out to dinner, we were on the street in DC and water main had broken. All of this water was 
just pouring down the street, and it was probably a larger meeting. And she stood there in bewildered awe, is the best way to describe it, just blown away at the waterways because her entire frame of reference for water had changed in that year. And all she could see was literally life being drawn away. And I don't want us to have to spend that time in Africa to learn that and to see a water main gushing like that for us to have, in a way, more amazed awe at the value of, of water. And I would say that is what I would like for the future. You know, at the end of our show, we always tell our audience, uh, please help keep our planet blue. But if you like green, you have to have blue. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay. Well, like Natasha, it. thank you very much for taking time to be on our show. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate the Irrigation Association. You know we'll do anything in the world that you ask us to record it. And, uh, I will be wise with that. And please call more often and tell us what you want us to do. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I would say expect that phone call. We are, everything that I shared today around telling the story of irrigation and the benefit of water, the smart, efficient use of water, we need partners like you, Rob, as well as the Water Zone and Toro and all of our industry champions are here. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being here at the Irrigation Show and Education Week. And don't be surprised if I come back to that, uh, what was it? Women of Water. Uh, Don't be surprised if I come back to that. Thank you. Thank you very much. KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook.